Last time on the Strange Campaign. On their journey to Lasilia, our heroes saved an elven woman, Pephendria, from a pack of wolves. Unfortunately, her human companion, Tivum, was killed by the wolves, and the party helped bury him. Maximon chose to desecrate Tivum's grave and attempted to commune with his spirit, deeply offending Pephendria. It was noticed that Pephendria seemed to be carrying a key of some kind with a cloth covered in elven script. The party traveled to Lasilia with Pephendria, and upon arriving, they separated, and our party visited the inn at Eero's seat, where they met Odana, the innkeep. Odana turned out to be Tivum's grandmother, and devastated by the news of her grandson's death, urged the party to tell Tivum's brothers at the Drink or Drown Tavern. Our party notified Tivum's brothers, Brodan and Fivo, two dim bigots who aligned with the royalist movement, and in a tense moment were eased by calming words and free lager from the bartender, Gerard. They drank with a dragonborn sailor named Taliech, who grew fond of the odd party and promised to take them to the Forgotten Isle on his boat. But the moment of peace was short-lived as an explosion blasted through the tavern, killing Taliech, Brodan, and Fivo, and seriously injuring our party and the bartender Gerard. Hosh, the dwarven captain of the guard, helped our heroes gather themselves and urged they assist the investigation, but get some rest first. Hosh seemed particularly suspicious of Pephendria, who Maximon recalled with a detailed sketch. The party warily went to return to the inn when they were stopped by two holy men, one human and one elf, named Alan and Feliadril, respectively. They urged our party to spend the night in the holy house and see to helping them solve their own dilemma. Our party rested in the house of worship, but all suffered the same ominous nightmare of black seas, red shores, and a dark tower rising over a land. The next morning, Alan and Feliadril woke the party with breakfast and an explanation of their issue. Cursed visions, dark dreams, and a dark presence had seemed to overcome the holiness of the church. The dread drove these priests to study ancient manuscripts, detailing the building of the church. They discovered mentions of crypts deep beneath and a hidden entrance by the holy basin. Feliadril, young and insecure, offered to help our party into the crypts, but Alan, an older fellow whose strong presence suggested great experiences, denied his colleague's request. Alan kindly reminded Feliadril of his inexperience, and brandishing a powerful mace, ushered the party into the dark unknown. Fucking great realizations just happened during a little recap. You know, the first of which is that it's Athelia Drill and Alan. That's just <laughs> remains remains hilarious to me. Yeah. Yeah, I like this framing of desecration of a grave. <laughs> I don't know what else you call points. it. Yeah, I thought I was helping. Um, ooh, okay, interesting. By the way, uh, the card of our session is the Hangman. It means someone's yeah, probably gonna it, die. No, it's actually not. It's actually a pretty good card. The Hangman is uh, the tarot card for like being in between two worlds, but you're not upset about it. Mm, well, we are going into a crypt, so. All right. Yeah. All right, Belwyn, you you got the plot point. For oh, session. Nice. 
Use it wisely. <laughs> so we start with our party heading down a deep spiral staircase, quite closed in um, down this, this shaft as the light above them disappears with each step. The staircase is made of rusted iron and creaks and groans with each step. These sounds echo down the, spi the spiraling stairs as their torchlight is the only thing they can see with the light above growing dimmer and dimmer. Feliadril calls down a shout of good luck and his head peers down the opening, but it grows ever fainter as the party heads down. Finally, about six or so stories, they find that they have reached a landing and they face a very narrow stone hallway, only wide enough for the party to venture down in single file. The hallway is dark. There's no lights in sight. There's no way of telling where it goes, which way it turns, but their torchlight faintly illuminates the edges of the walls, floor, and ceiling. Alan turns and gives each member a potion of healing. He says, these may be necessary. I hope that they won't be, but in the case we need to use them, here, take one each. Uh, potion of healing greater? No, re regular. He really cheats mm. out on us. So you are still standing at the base of this spiral stair with the hallway proceeding in front of you. You know that you can only squeeze down this hallway single file. What order do you proceed? Um, Not me. What make the most? What make the most sense? I kind of feel like I'm following Belwin around. I I think I have the torch lit right now, so I guess I'll I'll lead with the torch. Are, is there like stuff written on the walls? Is there? You can see that the walls around you are simple stone, like stone and mortar. They're built in a very stereotypical sort of like stones fitting. You can tell that they've been they've been molded and they've been carved into shapes that fit into each other purposefully. It's a smooth surface. It's not rough or anything. And there doesn't appear to be any markings or carvings or uh, in intricate details on the wall, other than, you know, the clear indication that these stones have been shaped for, like, the mortar molding that they fit into. All right. Cool. So you proceed down this hallway, pitch black, with the flames licking the walls ahead of you, lighting each step, you know, as you move slowly forward. Belwyn realizes that as you walk about 20, 25 feet down this hallway, Belwyn realizes that there's suddenly an absence of wall to your right as this hallway opens into a smaller square-shaped room. You see on the floor before you a dark stain looks like something has been dragged through it going from the left to the right. And you look at the originating point of this stain and you notice that there is a wooden door that has been deliberately covered and piled with furniture, doors and wooden chairs and tables. Something chose to block this door from the inside. And you notice this stain going across diagonally your path out of sight around the corner to your, to your right. Uh, can we investigate the stain? Walking forward to see the stain, the wall around you opens up into a square-shaped room about 25 feet uh, wide and 25 feet long. You peer down at the stain. Roll investigation there, Maximon. I got a uh, 16. All right. Peering down at the stain, you can tell from its dark brown and cakey texture that it is certainly blood. Even more so, you can tell that it is not human blood, but instead it is blood from some sort of race of great magical power. There's there's traces of magical potency in its blood. 
Turning your head to follow the gaze of the trail of blood, you realize that into the corner of this room, farthest possible away from the door and the pile of furniture, you see a highly decomposing corpse. There are bone horns coming from its head, and the skin is nearly dark purple or black, but is dry and cracked and caked. You see that maggots squirm in empty eye sockets, and the body appears to have been there for quite a long time. There's a deep, dark stain directly underneath of it, and written in that same blood next to the corpse, you see the words, written in common tongue, I stared into the abyss, and it stared back. It appears that this is a tiefling female. Mm. Holy shit. sense great darkness within this place <laughs> is that my turtle voice i'm trying to remember i don't know dude that <laughs> that, <works laughs> for me. that was good that was pretty intense man that was like batman turtle I love, <laughs> I love it wow okay so we've got some cakey blood making a scary message so where is this body like compared to the uh pile of furniture blocking the door directly diagonal so you're in a square room the pile of furniture is at the far left blocking the door and to your back right is the dead body you came from a hallway that connected to the back left corner so this person died looking at the barricade yes and you can tell okay, that the, the smear of blood is coming from the direction of the door like you okay, can see it. So that it goes, like, so it goes they, under so the like, door oh snap okay so something could have killed her and then dragged in like can we tell if the blood is going from the room we're currently in into the barricaded door or is it coming from the bar like a stream of blood coming from the barricaded door out to us so max in maxwan's investigation he was able to tell by the smear pattern that the direction is caused by the body so the direction was the body moving itself away from the door and so the smear pattern is going from the door to the corpse rather than it being something having moved the body you know in the dra like dragged the body and dragged it back mm -hmm. Okay, cool. God love a smear pattern. Um, Alan turns mm. to the party. He says, this doesn't look very good, but I can tell that we'll need to move this furniture if we're to continue on into whatever mess we've gotten ourselves into. So here, help me help me move these chairs, boy. He turns to Cal, grabbing one end of a table. Cool. So I'll totally help him. But as I'm helping him, I'm going to be like, so do you recognize this corpse? Like, do you know who this is? Unfortunately, there's not any known tieflings that live in this village, at least none that I'm familiar with. Almost all of the village comes into the Holy House for one reason or another, to see me or Feliadril. I've never seen this woman before. Uh, so I guess I guess we can infer that the person came from the other side of the door this way then, maybe. Like, they didn't come down the way we did. They were going up. Hmm. What do you guys think? I, uh, I, I concur. <laughs> 
I don't really understand another way unless it came from the the direction we didn't come from. Perhaps there's another uh, output there. So Cal okay. and Alan are moving furniture as you talk. They've moved a table. They move a few chairs. And finally, they move a basically disintegrating wooden dresser that falls apart as they push it and just turns into a pile of, you know, splinters and rot wood. The door in front of you, though, looks very strong, very solid, and doesn't seem to be affected by rot in the slightest that this furniture has succumbed to. But it doesn't show any signs of being locked. And in fact, it looks as though you could pull it right open. You see the stains reaching under the threshold of the door into whatever lies beyond. We Why must not? proceed with caution, my friends. And I, I, I take, I guess I take my hammer out one-handed. But can I, can I pass the torch off to a uh, Maximon? Can I yeah. hand, yeah. hand it over, over? So you've to got you? two, you've got two torches. Someone in your party is holding one, and Alan is holding one in mm. his hand. I can hold uh, yeah. the torch. Yeah. So I pass it, I pass it to to Maximon, and I get my hammer ready, two-handed style. You open the door slowly, cautiously, and you see before you that another set of stairs descends down. These stairs are much shallower and wider. They're not as steep as the spiral stairs, and instead they form a kind of long, shallow descent through a hallway, much like the one you first walked down. They're smooth stones on the ceiling and the walls, but you descend slowly, seeing that this blood stain leads down the stairs. You turn to the left and continue down more stairs following this blood stain. You go down about 30 feet down a, a long stretch of these stairs and then turn right again, still following this stain. And it is here that you see after a few more steps, about 10 feet of steps, you come to the base of these steps. And to your right is a long, long hallway. But at the end of it, you can see two lit torches framing either side of a set of great double doors. You can also make out on the left side of this hallway, you see two smaller single wooden doors. One is only about 10 feet in front of you, and the other is about another 15 feet down the hallway from that. How do you proceed? Bellin wants to use his divine sense right now uh, to detect some good and evil and see what he... Uh, what kind of evil or what what sort of maybe even good? I don't know. But what he detects at the end of the hallway. All right. Get, get some good so, good person vibes. Is that a is that a concentration or like? Uh, so it's just like it's a paladin thing. It says as an okay. action you can detect good and evil till the end of your next turn. You can sense anything affected by the hallow spell or the location of any celeste fiend undead within sixty feet that is not behind total cover. You can use this feature three times per long rest. Okay. Um, so using this, you sense goodness directly next to you and behind you. You sense a strong feeling of goodness from those people that you surround yourself with. But your feeling of evil and darkness is muddled. You get a sense, a hint, a whisper that maybe there's something behind the first door to your left, but it doesn't feel as as powerful or or as active as the sense of good you feel from your party members. Uh, if you roll Arcana, you may be able to determine whether or not this is some sort of object or entity, perhaps. 
All right, I'll roll Arcana. Um, I'm not very intelligent, so this probably might not go very well. It's it's not it's I rolled a two, but it's minus one, so it's not a it's not a natural <laughs> not one. Not a natural one, <laughs> but it is a so, one nonetheless. So, Melwin <laughs> Melwin reaches both of his hands out and he closes his eyes, and you see he's, he's twinkling his turtle claws. He seems to be feeling some great presence in front of him. And then he turns to the party and he says, "We have nothing to fear ahead." Uh oh. Oh, nice, dude. Cool. I'm definitely a little put at ease by that. Like, I definitely don't take my weapons out or anything. Um, but I guess one thing I'll say that seems like a pretty good sign that Alan is not evil or like a demon hiding inside Alan <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I was a little oh. nervous about that for a second, but. No, that's a good point. I did not think about that even a little. I don't know. I mean, that yeah. wasn't something that I was like, I, yeah, I don't know. That's just something for us to be aware of, you know? Like, we uh, yeah. we can probably trust him, it seems. Like, he, he probably is not like a, you know, hidden demon or monster. Nice. Come yeah. onward, friends. We must continue down this hallway. Alan grabs your shoulder. Alan is third in line. He reaches over Cal and he grabs Belwyn's shoulder and he says, wait, look at the floor. And you see the stain in front of you. You see it goes to the second door to your left and goes under the threshold of the second door. He also goes, would we not be foolish to just walk through the illuminated doors, not knowing what lies beyond them? It seems like our deceased friend at the top of the stairs came from this direction, not that direction. How do we know that it was our friend? I suppose you are true. You show great... A great deal of wisdom for someone so young. True, we do not know if they were friend or foe in life, but what we do know is that they are very much dead. And as steward of this holy house, I have to determine if there is some threat beneath my church. Cool, so I guess Cal feels like super proud that he contributed something decent. <laughs> then let us see what is behind the door. And wait, which door? Which door? The, so this are you is referring the, to the blood door about, or the other door? The blood he's door. He's talking about the, yeah, he's talking about the second door on the left side is where the blood goes. The first door you've you've walked past, unless you feel like you need to check in there as the well. The first door is the one that was super well lit and with the torches. No, right that's the door all the way at the end of the hallway. So on the uh, left side of this hall, of this hallway are two single doors. One that the blood goes past and one that the blood goes into a little further down the hallway. Cool. So we're checking out blood door. Understood. Right. Second door on the left. Who tries to open the door? Belwin will open it. He's ready All to right. go. You, you grab the handle and push, and you find that the door is, in fact, locked. You think maybe there might be some way to unlock this. You wax it with it. his hammer. All right. Roll strength. Oh, I got strength. I do a big... Uh, oh, that's an 11. <laughs> you hit the door hard with your hammer, but it does not budge. You find that your hammer makes a strong dent, the, the, the head of it going, you know, at least two inches into the face of this door. But the door seems solid and it takes the blow. The, the lock does not break. Mm, I do not like these doors that you have in your modern society. You just hit them with it before bell they block the paths you do notice that the the sheer force of your hammer blow though the vibration it sent through the wall on the other side back from where you came you notice that the first door has creaked open slightly as if it's unlocked 
I you cannot Gal see into the room. something strong there, but I guess he's not as, we all as strong that? as he thought. Do we all notice the other door open? Oh, oh yeah. The... You hear you hear the creak. Right. And, just and, you know. Okay, got it. Okay, okay. That was all of us, not just Bellwin or something. Um. All right. So I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh. All right, easy there, turtle. Like you're gonna let everything down here know that we're coming if we keep just banging into things like that. They should know we were come. We are coming. They will feel divine justice rain down upon this darkness. Evil shall not prevail in this place. Alan, Alan slaps the back of your shell and he goes, amen to that, brother. Wow, okay. All right, I'm feeling inspired by the turtle power, so I guess I'm going to come <laughs> try and check out the, the lock and see if there's some way that I can, like, take it apart or... Do I have lock picking? I'm not a thief or a rogue. Yeah, if you, if you roll, roll sleight of hand if you'd like to try lock picking it or jimmying it open. Okay, cool. All right, I'll try that. I have a plus one for that, so let's see. All right, I got a 16. All right. Cal kneels down, and he takes he takes the edge of his hand axe, and he sort of puts it into the crack between the door and the wall, and he starts fumbling with it a little bit, sort of wedging it back and forth while he also twists at the door handle, and then there's a distinct cracking sound as the door opens and gives to his little bit of shimmying. And he looks over at Thelwyn and Alan with a with a bit of a smirk. Well done, boy. Good job. Cool. Nice. Cal is looking uh is looking proud. You push the door open and with a heavy creak, it swings. The door has quite a lot of weight to it. You notice it's a door that's a it's it's about five or so inches thick. Even with the the depth that Belwyn's hammer bit into it, you can tell it didn't even go halfway into the, the wood of the door as you push it open and push it aside. It's quite heavy, even though it is mostly solid wood with only a light banding of iron at the top and bottom. Before you, you see the streak of blood trailing off down into this room. You can see ahead of you only about five or so feet with your torch, but you feel beckoned to follow the blood. Let us continue and follow the trail. We came here for a reason, to find where this trail leads. Following the trail, you don't have to walk far, only about 10 or 12 feet before you realize that it's amassed in a large pool, and it stops. That This pool seems to be the source of it, but it's not the pool that strikes your gaze. It's what's just on the other side. You see that the floor, the walls, and even the ceiling have completely given away to a natural crumbling stone underneath. But the floor itself is completely gone before a black, abysmal chasm. You edge yourself to the edge and peer across, and you can't tell how far this chasm reaches. Can I use my dark vision to... Yeah. That's got a 60-foot range. Yes. Do I get so anything can, more from that? No, you have dark. So the 60-foot range, you peer through the darkness, and you can tell. You can see, basically, that what should have been a hallway here has essentially just given way to a large chasm, a chasm that's approximately 40 feet long, but all the stonework has collapsed and fallen into this chasm. And about 40 feet out, you can see where the floor resumes, and you can see that there are rooms and more structure like built up and supported beyond this chasm. But crossing it may be very treacherous, and you have no way of telling what is beneath you, mm. if anything at all. This does well, not seem like a, a gap we can cross, my friends. 
at no, least I, me with my yeah. big shell. Not making it. Cal is like Cal is definitely in agreement with that, and um, I guess he says unless one of us wants to get lowered down by a rope, I, I suggest we try another door. Alan says, "How much rope do you have?" Oh, geez, that's a character sheet question. Let's see. I have fifty feet. I also have fifty feet of rope. I too have fifty feet of rope. Cool. Says, well, so, what if what if before we risk before we risk a person, what if we lower down a torch? Whoa, that's a sweet move. And I can, and I've just read it. I can use thaumaturgy to brighten the torch for a minute, if that. Wow, yes. that is a double sweet move. That is a proper use of that spell. <laughs> <laughs> you tie a rough knot around the thickest part of this torch, and you take your 50-foot length of rope, and you begin lowering the torch down this chasm, and it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going until you're at the very last part of this 50-foot length of rope, and you see the torch down there, spinning at the end of this rope for all you can tell that pit continues deeper and deeper downward would you like to use your thaumaturgy spell to brighten the torch yeah let's just do it so maximon focuses in on this on this light at the end of the torch and for half a second it seems to grow in magnificence and brightness it, it lights up the side walls and it lights up the, the ceiling, you can feel the heat against your face as it lightens up, but you hear from deep, deep down below the earth a bone rattling, deep, almost more of a force than a sound, come rushing up this chasm as the torch is just instantly extinguished and the blackness takes the chasm. The only torch light left is the torch that you're holding up where you are, but below you is blackness and this echoing sound of whatever this whatever made this sound from deep deep below oh and okay okay oh, shit. so thaumaturgy also allows me to create a very loud instantaneous sound can i copy that sound i can use it three times like up to three at a time can i just copy it really quickly yeah real quick though roll uh uh roll performance yeah. oh okay nice I got a 13. With your magical assisted lungs, you bellow back the sound down the shaft, and, and, and to, to all ears present, it sounds basically identical to the sound you just heard, and it Tight. follows down the sound of this shaft, and for a second, as you hear it echoing deeper and deeper and deeper into the earth, there's a, a moment of quiet as the sound fades. And then almost doubly as loud. You can't really tell because it's it's so loud that it seems to, you know, it seems to almost feel more like a physical sensation than a sound at this point. It feels, it seems to move the walls around you. A sound is echoed back at you with such great force that I'm going to need everyone to make a constitution saving throw. 15. 15 as well. Ooh, I got a natural 20. Oh. Ooh. All right, and um, oh, Alan, oh wow, Alan passed it too. All right, so you all brace yourselves and you, you take the brunt of this force and you disperse it and you don't take any of the physical damage that it seems to have wanted to dealt to your ears and your brain. Cal, in fact, even seems to be, you know, he seems to really enjoy the, the feeling of this and 
He just takes an, an immense pleasure in the energy. He's like noise music. Everyone, everyone in, in presence seems to be especially impressed with Cal's, uh, how he, you know, really just grinned and bared it. And someone, you know, you get the sense that this is the kind of person that would really enjoy loud, loud, loud music. Nice. <laughs> Cal's it's the, thunder, it's the thunder in my, uh, thunder in my soul. <laughs> so, so this is coming you... from like the bottom of the pit right yeah yeah deep 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 down this chasm Before you seems to be an unpenetrable chasm. Behind you is the ha- is the hallway again, with the double doors at the very end and the single door that creaked open that you have yet to explore. How do you proceed from here? Something dark lies at the bottom of this pit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my assumption, Bowen, is that there's something evil down there, and it's probably behind the double doors with a well-lit torch. Hmm. You know, went back home hunting elk sometimes the uh you try to do all these like sneaky extra stuff to 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 track it down but sometimes the uh most straightforward path is the best path i mean we we totally could just go straight through those doors and hope we find us a whatever elk we're looking for priest do you have any holy water unfortunately i do not but i do have quite a powerful weapon to use against whatever unholy monstrosity may be waiting for us. I don't like to admit it, but long ago, a lifetime ago, I I wasn't always a holy man. In fact, I I would say I was very much an unholy man. I I ran with, well, we were were bandits. There was no, there's no other way to put it, but what uh, particularly troubles me to this day is, is our ideology. We truly were despicable and, and prejudiced. We need to game. figure out where we are going right now. We don't have time for your <laughs> tales. Oh, Alan wow. Is, Alan is, Alan's pretty offended by your brush off, but he goes, I respect I respect the adherence to our mission. I'll be like, sorry, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a weird turtle sometimes. You don't have time to stand in chit-chat when darkness lies at the bottom of this pit. Well then, Master Belwyn, which door are we taking? We continue through the 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 two the two doors, right? There's two doors we haven't gone. The from the broken room that you're in, with the broken floor and the abyss, ba- back where you came from. So essentially, if you walk out the door to your right, there's another single door, the one that creaked open when you slammed your hammer into this door. And right. to your left, continuing down the hallway in the direction you were headed, is the double doors with the two torches next to them. I can't use mending on this room, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's for, like, cloth. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 
so I guess I, okay. So I guess Cal is gonna. If we're making our way back out out of this room and we're now looking at these two doors, Cal is curious enough to at least go like take a peek in the room that uh the, with the door that creaked open. Like it's already kind of open. Like I guess he's gonna yeah. Bellwin like, will will follow and support. You creak open the door. It gives no resistance as it is already clearly unlocked. And before you is just a small about 15 foot square room. No adornings on the walls, no furniture, but on the floor are two bedrolls. And between the bedrolls is a book, a book with a black binding, plain, simple, but a deep black, closed, but with a little, a little piece of parchment paper shoved between the pages. I, I, I'm I'm all over that book. Before before he like opens it and gets into it, can Bell and say, Maximon, you don't know what darkness you're dealing with there. Be careful. And then I I, I snap at him. But you might. You want to check it, old man? Ooh. Nice comeback. <laughs> Do what you will, but the consequences you will have to suffer them. The consequences <laughs> suffer you will. <laughs> Maximon scoops this book up and he and he hastily opens the, the page to where the makeshift bookmark is. And he finds that he's looking at script that he he just simply cannot comprehend. It seems to be written in some sort of language that would certainly require a great deal of concentration or study to decipher. If you wish to read it, roll an arcana check. Alright, yeah, how about a twelve? So you, you stare deeply at the pages and you try to understand the script before you, but it simply eludes your, your comprehension and you find yourself just going mad trying to grasp the meaning of this script and you, you frantically turn the pages and turn the pages looking for a hint of a language that you understand. The whole book seems to be written in this, in this script that, that eludes your comprehension. You you frustratingly close the book, and you seem slightly defeated in your inability to understand what is before you. Can I pocket this book? I want this book. You can, yeah. Yeah, it's my book now. All right. So, quick question: Does this does this room sort of just end where the people are, like where these bed rolls are laying, or does it continue yeah. on down like a corridor? It's just it's just a small room, small little square room with these bedrolls and the book on the floor cool all right seems to me like there's nothing i guess i'm gonna do like a quick poke around in the bedrolls just like see if there's any like weapons or anything laying around but uh you poke them with your that no you you poke them with your boot and you kind of lift them up with the edge of your of your axe and you find that they for all intents and purposes are simply just bedrolls all right cool yeah i'm ready to like move on i kind of look at belwin i'm like all right, it looks like the straight-ahead route it is. Onward. Alan says, well, at least we don't have to worry about anyone stabbing us in the back. And you continue down this hallway towards these two torch sconces in the wall and this large set of double doors. As you get to the end of the hallway, it starts to open up, and instead of being a, a much more narrow hallway, it opens into a little bit of a landing and a foyer before these two doors. You can even see the ceiling starts to rise, too, and the doors before you are about 10 feet tall, and they, they're much more magnificent than any of the other doors you've seen. They're carved and stained a, a dark black color, 
and you can see carvings on them that appear to resemble the script in this book that Maximon has just picked up. You notice that the doors seem to seem to give with a little bit of a touch, like they aren't locked or barred in any way. We, yeah, we'll keep keep going, keep pressing onward, right. unless anyone's got anything to say. Mm, no, I, unless I probably I guess, can't read okay. that, right? Nah, because it's the same as the book, right? Yeah. I get okay, so I guess Ben has a question, not Cal. But from what Maximon has showed us of the book, is does yeah. this look like it was someone else's notebook, where there's like, you know, notes of these handwritten sort of like images of no, this uh, text it in it, or is it like it seems it seems like a book book? Okay. Yeah. It seems so it's printed. like this book is like whatever that we can infer that this book is like a Bible, not not a Bible necessarily. It doesn't have to be religious, but it's like a text directly associated with this stuff it's not like it's the notebook of someone that was studying the stuff i mean you can roll arcana if you want to try to decipher it for yourself oh geez okay i mean i'll take a look um arcana i am a minus one for that so uh a three (laughs) cal stares at the book and he stares at the at the inscriptions on the wall and then he turns to maximum and he goes isn't this elvish? And Maximon just just shakes his head and closes his eye. And he goes, I, I know you mean well, but sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes. And I'm like, I'm wiping my forehead. I'm like, thank God the simpleton couldn't read this shit. He'd <laughs> <laughs> be so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so you push your way through and open these double doors. And before you, you realize with just your torchlight to light the way, you suddenly feel that you're in a much larger cavernous space. It's it's still paved with the stones and things are still, you know, they're clearly designed and built, but it is a large cavernous space. And you can really see only about 10 or so feet in front of you as you wave your torches around, trying to get a better sense of the scale of this place. But it seems to be a deeper larger wider room and with a ceiling that is much taller this is a big place under your cathedral priest and you had no idea of its existence no (laughs) the the translations of the books were very very difficult they required long hours of study and scholarship and even then we weren't sure of some of the the accuracy of some of what we deciphered but this is this is beyond any of our any of our assumptions of what lie beneath us just mm. then as you as your voices echo around this room suddenly torches along the wall two to your left and three to your right light a blaze and light this space you see that you're in a room that's about 60 or so feet wide and about equally as deep but the walls are scalloped with deep alcoves that at the ends of each alcove you see sarcophagi, and it, directly in front of you, you see one last alcove. This one's circular, sort of semicircular. And within this alcove, you see a altar, and you see on, top, on the wall in front of it, you see dark stains that look like the blood you saw, but they're arranged in artwork and script that is hauntingly disturbing looking. And before this altar, you see a figure kneeling wearing a dark red robe, their hands up above their heads, 
one hand grips a ceremonial dagger, and the other hand is blood red with blood rushing down the forearm. You can see a deep gash in the palm, and you see on the altar a pool of blood. Does this look fresh? Oh yeah, you can tell that you can tell that his hand is is bleeding freshly, and the dagger has crimson of, on the blade. Hmm. Um. Can uh, I want to I want to divine sense again and see if I uh, sense sense any evil from this. Uh, yeah. If like I mean I get or honestly like can I just like look and I don't want I don't, like I don't want to have to waste a divine sense thing. Can I just like, I mean look if you can. You want to look see, at him? <laughs> I just want to, like, can I see evil? Does Bellwin get an evil vibe, generally? <laughs> you get a very creepy vibe, for sure. I mean, you're in a dark, unknown crypt. A figure is holding a blood dagger, and he has clearly been doing some sort of blood ritual at this altar and has made this mural before him of a disturbing scene. You can hear faintly echoing throughout the wall someone chanting. You look around, and it's no one in your party you can hear this chanting to reach the deepest fathoms and go beyond to reach the deepest fathoms and go beyond to reach the deepest fathoms just repeating over and over and over again you can see that the sarcophagi to your left and to your right you can see four alcoves on each side eight sarcophagi in total you can tell that they're desecrated disturbed and overturned they seem to have been broken into or flipped over. Yikes. I, I think Bowen's just going to be like, we, I think we have found the evil in this place. And he wants to like go and whack this dude up on the altar with his hammer. Alan throws right. his torch down on the floor. He says, I couldn't have agreed with you more. You see magic ripple in his now free hand as suddenly a blinding light forms in his hand. And before you, you see a mace made out of ethereal air and white energy form in his hand. He grabs his second physical mace from his belt, and now he's holding two maces, one a magical holy one, the other a physical real one. Dang. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wonder what his backstory is like. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, what level is he? <laughs> Do you so are you approaching? Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, going. I mean, don't have I, to I guess. I, I guess so I was like, What's that? So you Sorry. That was, we had one of those moments where we all spoke. So I guess Cal's going to see that clearly the plan is to go mess with this guy. So he's going to take a uh, take a javelin out of the out of the backpack, you know, and uh, go for a throw if that's okay. How as far away? Unsheath, as you unsheath your javelin, you see that the robed figure, seeming to sense the party's presence, stands and and stops chanting. Suddenly, to your left and to your right, you feel the shifting of the sarcophagi, the scraping of stone, and you see two, one on the left and one on the right, two gray, hunched, ugly figures clamor out from tunnels below the disturbed sarcophagi. They're brandishing bone clubs with jagged, sharp edges, and you can see in the torchlight that they have no eyes. Where their eyes should be on their face, the skin seems to have grown over into grotesque, fleshy pits. These humanoids begin sniffing the air. They, they turn their head. They seem to have found your location and your scent, and they screech. The elven cultist figure turns, and he says, You have disturbed a sacred ritual, and you shall be given to the abyss as repayment. 
Everyone roll initiative. Um, I got a zero. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I roll I roll a two and my initiative is minus two. Hi. I got a 16 plus two. Nice, nice. Cal, how about you? I got a, uh, oh, jeez. I got a natural one. So I guess Cal is pretty, uh, pretty freaking spooked by these skeletons. Yeah, Cal, you are, um, you're frightened. You have frightened condition is going to be on, on you. So you have a disadvantage on all attacks and checks while the source of fear is in your line of sight. So these creatures that came out of the earth, they are what's frightening you. And you have disadvantage while they are still in this room. Oh, jeez. Okay, guys. And you're also going to be last below Belwyn. Because while he technically does have zero, you got a natural one. He didn't, so. I just did a quick Google here. Um, It says, I also can't willingly move closer to the source of my fear. Is that applying right now as well? Yep. You can't you can move closer to the, the road <laughs> figure, but you can't get anywhere near these uh these these gray figures. And that's difficult because they're on the left and right side of you. Yeah, all right, cool. So I'm bugging out, guys. Oh, oh so one of these gray figures also just got a natural one on their initiative. So they seeming to have all these different smells in the air, including a turtle stench, which is an incredibly unfamiliar smell to them. This one gray figure in this state of smell, they, they are just charmed with the exoticness of this turtle stench, and they are charmed by Belwyn's smell, and they just will not attack Belwyn, this one gray figure. They are completely enamored and don't want to cause any harm to this smell. So Belwyn, one of these gray figures, will not be attacking you. Rock and roll. Maximon, how do you proceed? Well, you know, I've studied this kind of ritual, and I have the feeling that if we can take out the man up top, we might have a, you know... A ripple effect. So I throw, I use my chill touch cantrip, and I summon a skeleton hand uh, aimed at the man on the altar. And I rolled a uh, fifteen. Roll damage. And I got a seven. Nice. Ooh. So this hand, you know, this hand shoots out of the air from this black void that's summoned before the the cultist, and just grabs onto the throat just gripping and you see the cultist eyes just light up in surprise and the fingers clench and you see that the cultist is is gasping for breath as this finger just clenches down on his throat you see blood running from the tips of the fingers as they dig in and this cultist takes heavy damage you can really tell that this is quite close to killing them hell yeah alan with his two maces he moves towards the gray figure that is just enamored with Belwyn. The, it's a gray figure to your left. And with his two maces, Alan does a multi-attack. He swings with the physical mace. Oh no, he does not hit. The physical mace glances <laughs> off the side of this grim, dark figure, and it shrieks at him. The second mace 
also misses. He swings at its head in desperation, trying to hit it. But it sees or senses without its eyesight. It seems to sense the second hit coming. And it ducks agilely under his mace. It snickers and sneers and growls its teeth at him, angry and seeming to be hungry. Alan seems frustrated and desperate. Now it is not that Grimlock, but the other Grimlock's turn. Well, I guess now you know it's a, they're Grimlocks, but it gives so, so that, much away. Yeah, I <laughs> googling what a Grimlock looks like. I'm not oh, googling a transformer. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, all right. I found them. It's got like yeah. a, it's like a really ugly, like gnome-looking dude. The non-charmed Grimlock saunters up to Cal. Cal is terrified. He's just petrified against this creature and it swings its ugly bone club at him Ooh, kyle what's your armor class my armor class is 13 oh man this hit connects oh boy yikes Ooh, dealing seven damage against cal this nice. this club just clamors you right in the gut you feel the edges the sharpened edges of the bone tearing at your skin under your under your light armor you can feel oh you think a rib might be broken and the wind is knocked out of you your terror grows deeper whoa all right Cal has never been injured this badly. I don't think he is at half health. This is like a, this is a, uh, this is a real, um, you know, traumatizing experience for young Cal here. (laughs) So the cultist taking this dagger coated in his own blood, he walks towards Alan, dagger raised, his gaze fixed on this priest. He swings and he, his, his dagger runs true. He drives the point of that dagger into our priest doing five damage you see the dagger go deep into the side of alan he winces and grabs the hilt of the dagger and he seems to be bleeding heavily from the wound at his side now it is belwin's turn uh so after seeing his pal cal get hurt i think belwin's gonna go to that grimlock and whack it with his hammer let's see here a 19 oh yeah roll roll damage and we are going with four damage. And that was Grimlock number two. So your hammer just wails into the side of this. You being a lefty, you know, you crunch <laughs> right into this Grimlock's right side. You feel ribs give way. You hear the creature screech an ugly moan as you deal four damage, feeling a significant blow being dealt to the creature. It is your turn, Cal. All right. Uh, well, I already said that I was getting my javelin out, so I guess that's probably what's in my hand at this point. Yeah. And I probably have my uh, my hand axe in my hand from before, like because I poked at the bedrolls and stuff. So I guess I will lash out with my javelin, and then do my uh, my bonus action to two weapon fighting smack with my hand axe as well. So if you want to attack the Grimlock, you'll have disadvantage with the axe. But if you want to throw the javelin at the cultist, you won't have disadvantage for that. Do the disadvantage attack. Do the disadvantage attack for the arc, for the character arc. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no way I just got, like, smashed in the stomach by this thing. And I'm just going to, like, just throw a javelin at, like, another target. Like, I definitely (laughs) don't have that kind of, like, battle preparedness. So I'm going to try for my, like you know, flail wildly maneuver at this thing. All right. So roll that roll that throw of the javelin first. 
Okay. Well, I, I don't think I'm. Th- I, I don't imagine I'm throwing with it because I can also. Oh, you're gonna. Okay, you're gonna, you're gonna stab with it. Okay, I see. Yeah. So I'm gonna try to just do a stab with the javelin and then a hand axe smack with my uh, bonus action or whatever. But I don't even get my. Uh, I don't get my strength modifier or anything for my se- for my second. Uh, wait, no, I do get my strength modifier. Where's two weapon? Profi- you don't get proficiency bonus. Right. Though. Exactly. Okay. All I won't right. get my ability modifier to the damage of the bonus attack unless that modifier is negative. Roll that roll that disadvantage attack. Quapa. Oh no, it's terrible. I got a six with my javelin. All right. You stab out at this Grimlock, but it seems to just know that this thing is coming and it just turns its head just a tiny bit and your javelin just sails right past and you recoil it back to yourself, feeling real, real terrified of this thing in front of you, the fact that you just missed. Roll, roll that a uh, bonus action attack. All right, hand axe. Hand axe is a 19, 15 plus four. Ooh, that guy, that guy connects for sure. Roll damage on that axe. Cool. So I get six damage so, with the axe. Dope, dope. All right, so you you just t- you just whack this Grimlock right in the thick of its like fatty stomach, and your axe bites really, really deep. And you just blow a huge blow to this Grimlock. And it stumbles back a little bit. It shrieks. You see blood pouring out of this wound. Your axe comes out clean as you pull it out. And there's just a mass amount of blood pouring out of this thing. And it's sort of stumbling and fumbling. And you can tell that it is really not looking good. It looks like it's going to it's gonna keel over any second now. And the Grimlock is sort of like holding its wound and you know barely holding its club and just sort of making pathetic whimpering sounds. Yeah, no, that's my turn. Cal is just like, you know, he just got, he took a big hit, and he's learning that he can do one back. Our final Grimlock standing before Alan, desperately trying to hit it with his maces, but missing every blow, takes a swing at our good priest. Oh, but his attack just glances off of the shoulder pad of Alan. You can hear the bone club scrape against chainmail underneath, but it doesn't do any damage as he sort of takes the blow with his shoulder and deftly lets it deflect off. The Grimlock screeches in frustration in the face of Alan and seems annoyed at its lack of ability to hurt this priest. Maximon, it is now your turn. Well, seeing as how it was quite effective last time and I'm a little pissed that he stabbed our friend, I'm, I'm going to go for another chill touch on the priest. Yeah, well, um, as long uh, as yeah, your, con- yeah. your concentration isn't broken, so if you just roll damage again, you don't have to roll attack because that skeleton hand is still on him. And I got a five. All right, so how do you kill the cultist? Oh, okay. So I... Uh, Okay, wait, can I move the hand? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let us know what okay. it does. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So it was on the throat, but I move the hand to his the wound on his arm, and I just kind of peel back, and I just take the skin off his arm. And oh, it's God. a skeleton hand, and maybe my skeleton hand can hold his skeleton hand. The cultist loses a massive amount of blood through this disgusting, just like meat and skin being peeled back, and just... You see his eyes roll back, and he just falls onto his back. Losing an irreversible amount of blood, you can just tell that this cultist is done. He's bleeding out, he's unconscious, and he's he's dead. He's gone. There's no way that guy's getting back up. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'm like, I'm on cloud nine. (laughs) You just ripped some arm skin off your your feeling. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to, you know, write journal about my feelings. That's all I got. (laughs) That cultist is dead. 
Now it is Alan's turn. He is still standing before this Grimlock. He swings his first mace, the physical mace. Again, this Grimlock just, this Grimlock's got his number. He swings that physical mace desperately, frustratedly, but the Grimlock just deftly sidesteps it and it just soars past this Grimlock's head. You can tell if it had connected, it would have done some damage. But his second mace, his holy mace, the one burning bright with light and magical energy, comes and meets the Grimlock's head just as it sidesteps with a smug look on its face, thinking that it had the upper hand. The holy mace comes around the other side and connects hard with the Grimlock's head. He deals one damage with this deft move against the Grimlock. That is Alan's turn. It is now the Grimlock before Cal's turn. He, sensing the fear in this young boy, takes his bone club and just aims it right for your skull with a big overhand swing. Oh boy. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna connect. He hits Cal right on the noggin. That creature deals four damage to Cal. Cal, you're feeling you're not feeling too well. You you kind of have the feeling that like you're gonna need to get out of there pretty soon. You're bleeding from a wound on your head wow. right now. Yeah, I'm at three left. Okay, wow, that's crazy. So yeah, no, Cal Cal, I think Cal just took it to the dome. It's a big old clonk. All right, Belwin, it is your move. All right, this one that keeps hurting my friend. I just want to I want to go for like the overhead squash slam with the hammer. The old jumping squash. What's and... your attack? What's your roll? 11 you you jump up high and you bring it down but you, you know you just this this grimlock just sidesteps right at the last second and you just clang hard with the stone you see dust and bits of the stone fly in all direction little bits of shrapnel hitting people's ankles and knees but not doing any damage but you really fuck up the floor but not that grimlock now it is cal's turn and remember, Cal, you are rolling with disadvantage against the Grimlocks. Yeah, classic. Okay, can I try and... Wait, 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 can I... Oh, is it too late to go back and try to do something else? One, one bonus action on my turn? I'll give it to you. Can I say to Cal to try to inspire him to, like, get over his fear? I want to maybe, like, roll a, a charisma roll of some <laughs> sort, but I just want to be like... Uh, I want to say, like, Cal! Get roll your chin up, boy. Roll persuasion. Like, persuasion. Let's see what I get. 19. Oh, yeah. So you give Cal this rousing glance, a, a real dad talk, and Cal just seems to snap out of his fear, and suddenly he realizes, he's like, I can do this. I've survived two hits from these beasts. I can, I can do this. And he's no longer afraid. His fear has been purged from his mind nice all right you guys ready for this yeah mm -hmm. okay cool yeah. so so all right <laughs> good call Austin. so totally inspired by belwin's call of whatever i'm gonna drop my hand axe and my javelin and take out my lance Oh, shit. which is my my main thing and uh you guys and i'm gonna you guys are gonna see me like do a little like lance spin so you can tell that like i've been practicing with my my <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna as a bonus action i'm gonna enter a rage which means that i can gain advantage on strength checks and saving throws and i also get plus two melee damage with strength based weapons i also have resistance to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage 
All right. So roll that. You're attacking that Grimlock in front of you. Quapa. All right. I rolled a 15 plus four. So yeah, that, 19. that's a hit. Roll damage. And cool. add, add, so, your, add your rage modifier. All right. So my lance is a d12 plus two Damn. plus two for my rage. All right. I got a five plus four. So nine. Oh, how do you kill this Grimlock? Oh, sweet. Okay. I guess I'm going to, like, you know, I dropped my other weapons. As I rage, I, I don't yet have any, like, actual storm weather effects, but I think oh, this is thunder, the first... Some thunder cracks. Yeah, like, you guys, you guys have, like, you know, I sort of have said vaguely that, like, people ba- like people didn't trust... Like, you got, like, a idea that I have some kind of, like, like, the people in my village called me storm cursed and that my, you know, my family and hears so there's like static in the air uh, maybe some like crackling sparks around me and i'm just gonna like take this dude like right through the chest just totally spike him with my thick lance i guess i mean literally i, I just want to like drive him right through his chest like out the All other right way. it goes deep in you basically like where your handhold is like just hits the belly you drive the lance so deep and you hear like this this grimlock just makes a guttural like moan and just spits out blood onto your hand and just folds over your lance just like limp just absolutely done and then you just you know you just pull it out and you you just pull out some innards with it and this grimlock just collapses as you pull it out just stone dead nice nice cool damn dude nice all right maximon what are you doing uh, is there just how? Uh, There's just one more alive? Grimlock left. The, the last Grimlock left that is real badly injured. It's the one that um, is the one that uh, Alan is facing off with. Alan, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just gonna go. I mean, I love my chill touch. It's especially quite effective against the undead. So I mean, why not? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for a chill touch at this MF. Roll attack. All right, let's go. I got a 12. Roll damage. Nice. I got a another 5. Oh, how do you kill this Grimlock? Um, I'm going to just go for like uh, a Three Stooges-esque uh, poke towards the non-existent eyes, but perhaps we'll find some eyes. <laughs> All right. So this, this skeleton hand just manifests, and you see... It does the old, like, the, the Spock sign. Like, it does, like, two <laughs> fingers and two fingers and makes the little V. And then it just goes, like, blindingly fast, like an arrow, straight for the eye sockets. And instead of just, like, a lighthearted poke, it just goes deep into the skull of this Grimlock. And it just, like, makes this violent twitch as the, as the hand hits and then just seizes up and collapses. And you see the hand poof into, like, a dark smoke as the, as the Grimlock collapses, just, like completely dead just before you see that smoke it goes into rock and roll (laughs) you are now out of combat great audio content right here.